Good morning, Springbrook. It's great to see you. You're all so friendly and greeting one another. That's so cool. Well, we're in a series entitled Deep Love. And what we've been doing over the last several weeks is we've been talking about how we can build a stronger marriage, how we can communicate better. As some of you have seen this picture before, I just wanted to briefly comment on this particular card that you got. Everybody get one in the Bolton program? All right. Well, this is a great way to understand our direction as a church. It took two years to put this all together. It might look simple, but a lot of thought went into it. So uh, our leadership team put together a picture of a disciple, and you can see the different things uh, that we want to see happen in people's lives. And then we have our pathway, connect, grow, equip, multiply. So each one of the events that we have is going to be a connect or grow. For example, this is a connect activity. Some of you, this is your first time at Springbrook, and uh, you've been here for a while, but this is a major connection activity. And it's also a grow activity, too, because we're teaching from the Word and worshiping God. In the back is our app. I encourage you to, to download that. And God deserves space on your phone. Okay, that's all I have to say. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, I was thinking, I don't have enough space. Make room for God, and He'll increase your memory. All right, how about this? Oblong man marries normal woman. Women, do you have an oblong man? Raise your hand if you have an oblong man. <laughs> well, this was the title to a news article back in 1948. Now, how many have ever heard of Oblong, Illinois? Okay, Oblong, Illinois. Good. All right. Well, Oblong, Illinois is about 60 miles from normal Illinois. And so you see where it comes from. <laughs> in fact, it happened again uh, in 1988. Here's the, here's the article. Another oblong man and normal gal. <laughs> you know, sometimes in marriage, we can feel that that other person is oblong. Of course, we're, we're a perfect circle, you know. But the other person is the problem because they're oblong. They're different. I don't understand them. Well, that's what we're trying to do is teach principles that will help you to communicate better, especially today as we talk about conflict resolution. Well, let me go back and just review here. Uh, the first week we talked about the love bank. So the blue is myself and Lori's... Uh, no, pink. Yeah, Lori's pink. She's not a pig. Let's not go there, okay? <laughs> He's wonderful. Uh, so what happens is, is you make deposits and withdrawals. Positive words or action is the deposit. Negative words or action are withdrawals. So our job as a spouse is to continue to build the love bank in our spouse 
by serving them and loving them. In fact, we could do that right now. Everybody stand up. You're going to make some deposits uh, with your wife or kids or whoever is around you, okay? First of all, I want, I saw a kiss. That was good. That's a deposit. Good job. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so what I want you to do is turn to your wife if she's here or your children and tell you, tell them something you appreciate about them. Go ahead. All right. Let's make another deposit. Hug your spouse or children. Hug them. Oh. Isn't that so easy? Remember, you need eight hugs a day to stay emotionally healthy. So you may be seated. So <laughs> get those hugs in. So we have to be really intentional because, you know, when we're dating and stuff like that, of course, our Balances are really, really high, but then we get married and the guy goes off on his career project and uh, the wife responds uh, you know, with disdain. And, and that's why there's so many marital problems is because everybody is in the red and they don't even know it. And that's why it's so important. These analogies are so powerful in helping understand the dynamics in a relationship. Last week, I talked about the secret of a great marriage. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So this is what happens. You've got the, uh, the wife, and she's all about love. She loves to love people very deep emotional wiring that she's aware of. We have the same thing, but we're not. The where, guys. She <laughs> uh, just wants love, right? She's not concerned about respect. That's not her issue. I want to be loved. I want you to listen and to talk with me. So the wife has an issue with her husband. So what she does is she goes to her husband and introduces the issue. Now, the husband, on the other hand, what does he want? Respect, right? That's what he's looking for. Uh, he, he doesn't worry about love. He knows his wife uh, loves him. I mean, she tells him all the time. But what he wants is respect. So if the woman addresses him in a way that doesn't show respect, kind of like with an attitude, what does a husband do? Well, sometimes they stonewall, they leave. But if they stay, they're going to talk to her in an unloving way. How could you say that to me? Back to the wife. She's trying to love. And the wife just keeps going, you know. We're talking about <laughs> complaining and criticizing uh, from the study. That, that's the way women go in order to try to solve a problem. But the more she pushes him away because he's not getting the respect, well, it gets to the crazy cycle. I mean, you just go round and round and round and round. And again, as I said last week, this is uh, so critical in understanding in a marriage relationship. Your husband wants respect. 
So, note that. Now, what, what are different things that I can do to respect Him? The critical thing is how you, uh, <laughs> how you lay out your words, your, your sentences, what you're going to say to Him. Because you can talk to Him about a difficult issue with respect. And then women need to understand that their needs love and husband needs to approach her uh, with love. So the energizing cycle is the opposite of the crazy cycle. His love towards her motivates her, and so she's going to respect him. And then he's going to love her. So that's what we're looking for. Hey, we had a great time yesterday at our marriage conference with Peter and Kelly Worrell. I think we had about 30 couples here. So it was, really, it was a great conference. I've been to a lot of marriage conferences over the years, and it was really unique the way they approached it because they went back to Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and they studied you know, that, those passages, and they brought a lot of beautiful nuggets of knowledge out of that uh, for marriages. Now, that's a connect event, right? A mid-sized group. We connect there. And, of course, we grew, too, because of their insights. But, uh, yeah, whenever you hear that we're doing something special like that, I would encourage you to make it a priority. I know a lot of people can't make it for different reasons. But we're trying to develop you as a disciple. And yesterday was a great growth opportunity. And I learned a lot myself. So, we've got connect, grow, equip, multiply. That's our pathway. We want to encourage people to first connect with God and with people through our worship services and other gatherings. And then we want to grow people as disciples encourage them to take that next step, whatever it might be down the discipleship pathway to get to know God better. Then we equip people. We help them find their spiritual gift and find an area of service and equip them uh, for service, and then we multiply. Right? We, we, we disciple each other. Uh, we disciple each other in small groups. Now we disciple each other in this discipleship huddle where you have just like three people, a triad. And I tell you, I've been through several of them already during this process. Uh, it, it really is exciting. I am very <laughs> much looking forward to the the future. And when I walk around church sometimes, I'll see a triad meeting. And I'll say, it's so cool. Because that is the most powerful way that you can be in relationship with another person when there's only a few people and uh, you trust each other. And you'll talk about issues there that you wouldn't talk in a larger group, which makes sense. So, again, we put this discipleship pathway together and we encourage you to take the steps down it. But that's a great bookmark to keep as a reminder. All right. The Love Bank, Love and Respect. Today, Resolving Conflict, Adaptability, that's accepting your spouse for who they are and trying to work things out. We'll talk a lot about that. And then, I'm adding a bonus week. Okay. Uh, intimacy. Intimacy. We're going to be talking about that. And I was thinking about, you know, having our signs say S-E-X in really big letters, you know? <laughs> a black background and 
Uh, I don't think a lot of people would appreciate that. So, we're calling it intimacy, right? You know, sexual intimacy is so critical to a marriage. If for whatever reason, uh, you're not having those needs met, uh, it affects your relationship in ways you, you don't even realize. Everything we do sexually impacts us. The way we sin against our own body is to sexually sin. So we'll be talking about some of those things. All right, Mark 3.25, And if a house is divided against itself, the house will not be able to stand. If a marriage, they're divided, they will not stand. And that's why we see 50% of the population divorcing. So we're trying to think of ways, how can we strengthen the house? How can we, you know, have God interweaved into everything that we do? Because really that's the purpose of marriage, right? Is to glorify God. You talked about that? The house will not be able to stand. How many of you had a class that trained you in conflict resolution, either in grammar school or middle school or high school. How many had a class that specifically addressed that? Okay, I see one hand. All right. Uh, Maybe a couple others. They don't talk about it, right? How many in college had a class dealing with college or dealing with uh, conflict resolution? Okay. Do you see where the problem is? Where'd you learn conflict resolution? Probably from your mom and dad. But maybe they didn't have a clue. Because we don't train people, our kids. It's great to have you teens in today. We don't train generally, we do here at Springbrook, but how do you deal when you come come up with a conflicting situation? And it's just crazy. I mean, that, that should be a class because that's the skill you need every day of the week. So how do you fight fair? Well, that's an oxymoron. <laughs> Choose the issue to work on. Choose the issue. One. One. One issue, okay? Not three issues, four issues, five issues because... This is going to be a mess. You choose one issue. Ephesians 4.25, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Now, this is talking uh, about the body of Christ. But how much more important in marriage is it to be truthful? To speak truth. And it gets really complicated, you know, that marriage relationship and the love banks and the love and respect. But friends, you need to get to the heart of where you're having conflict. And you need to both get together and tackle that. In fact, they were saying in the seminar yesterday that the word helper, Eve was created as a helper, was really an ally. That was the word he an ally. Your allies together. 
That's the goal is to be working together to bring glory to God. So if you if you can't think of anything to disagree about, you can pick one of these. Um, money, <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> work, friends, children, extended family, children. I put them in there twice. I mean, if you guys have young kids, yeah, that's for you. Uh, house chores, who's going to do that? Uh, sex, free time, and politics. And certainly this past couple of years, uh, there's a lot of discussions going on about that. So those are typical things that people fight about or discuss, let's put it that way. <laughs> How do you handle a conflict? There's a couple different approaches. First of all, it's my way. I fight until I win. I have to be the winner. And that was Dan Harrison back in the 90s. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, guys, it does not work. Your wife is a tender flower. Very small, he talks about this. And if you continue to not love her and support her, uh, she is going to close as a flower. When you get to that point, that's dangerous because she's shut down because she doesn't know how to deal with you. Well, you're here today and there are other resources in order to get her to open up again, really to be vulnerable uh, to you. And, and this guy's what's a big deal? Well, it is a big deal. It really is. Is your wife like this? Have you reached a point where you just have stopped talking about issues? Yeah, this is important. No way. I always give in to conflict. I avoid it. So I don't want to do anything to do with conflict. You do what you want to do. Maybe that person becomes passive-aggressive, right, in the way they treat their spouse. Your way. I give in. I'm a doormat. That is not healthy. And then halfway you give in half the time. I give in half the time. Kind of like a compromise. Or the way ideally it should be our way. Now your partner's in marriage. And you work at glorifying God. They're doing things together. And the more things you can do together, the stronger your marriage will be. Because you'll have a goal. Let's say you get involved in one of the ministries here at Springbrook and both of you are involved. Uh, well, that really that gives you a lot of time together because the problem today is there's no time. Well, there is time. But we think there's no time. We've made decisions that have really cluttered our schedules. And again, make your marriage relationship the top priority, not your kids. Because if you treat them like that, they're going to, hey, it's all about me. No, you want to love your kids and uh, teach them and engage them in different things. But your relationship... That date night you have every month or every week is so critical in order to continue to put those deposits in each other's love banks. 
Matthew 7, 3, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? So, that's kind of humorous, huh? So I'm looking at Lori. And I said, right. There's a little speck here in your eye. You need to take care of that. And she's looking at me, and I have a telephone pole growing out of my head. Right? And she's saying, what are you talking about? You got the problem. It's so interesting how well we think of ourselves. Right? Right? Let me tell you right now. You're more sinful than you think you are. What are you talking about? I'm not that sinful. Well, you are. And the more you mature in Christ, the more sensitive you become to all different types of sins. And so, by the time you're in your older years, you know that you need humility and that you need Christ. Uh, so, again, let us not deceive ourselves. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And there are some arrogant people, right? Maybe you're one of them. Hey, I'm good. I'm a lot better than well, who are we comparing here, right? You don't compare. You look at Jesus Christ for your guide. You desire and do not have, so you murder, you covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel, you do not have because you do not ask. You know, when I was a kid and I read this passage, that you desire and do not have, so you murder, that's pretty extreme. And I started watching 48 hours. (laughs) It's always about one spouse killing the other spouse. And they can come up with a story Every week. So yes, some people are driven to murder because of what's going on in their marriage. You see, it's all about what I want. It goes back to the selfishness issue. You desire and do not have. I want that, but I can't have that. You covet, you envy somebody else who has something. And again, you cannot obtain it. So you fight and quarrel. So that's an interesting verse to take some time to think about. Maybe you have an issue right in your mind right now that you're having with your spouse, and uh, you really have to kind of go to the Lord. Say, Lord, show me. Show me where my sin is. Reveal it to me. I don't want that telephone pole in my eye. I want to deal with these sins. It's all part of that spiritual pathway growth that we've talked about. So, if you're fighting and quarreling, usually it's because you desire something, you can't have it, and you covet and cannot obtain it. Or you want your spouse to act in a certain way. All applies there. You know, we have a vision here at Springbrook. Reaching and building Disciples of Jesus Christ. That's why we are here. We are here to tell people the good news about Jesus Christ. We're here to tell you that Adam and Eve sinned and we've inherited their sinful nature and God is a just God. He's a holy God. Therefore, He can't have a relationship with us. 
and we're under the penalty of sin. God is a just God. You deserve the penalty for sin, which is eternity in hell, separated from Him. But the good news is that Jesus Christ came. Look at this. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. That is such a great verse to share with people and explaining the good news. Why did Christ have to suffer? Well, because of our sin. He had to be up on that cross and go through many other difficulties in order that He might bear our sin, our past, present, and future sin, everyone that's ever lived. He had to bear that. And the Father turned away from Him, and it was just so painful. Good Friday coming up here. But what He was doing, He was taking the penalty. Him being on the cross was like us spending eternity away from God. So salvation from the penalty of sin. That's why they call it salvation. I'm not going to be penalized because Jesus Christ paid the price for me. He was my substitute. Christ also suffered once for sins. Like when we have communion here, we don't believe that we're eating the blood and body of Jesus Christ. It's just symbolic. He was crucified only once. The righteous for the unrighteous. We were the unrighteous, right? And He was the righteous. God came down in order to satisfy His own judicial system, right? Which is holy in every way. But He gave Himself. Being put, and I love this, might bring us to God. That's why I love this verse for evangelism. Because you can explain to a person they're separated from God, but Jesus Christ is the mediator who can bring you to God. He's put that death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. He rose again. He rose again. And Easter's coming soon, and we're going to really have a great celebration. But again, what about you? Where are you at with your relationship with Jesus Christ? A lot of people uh, have the orientation, I have to work my way up to God. I've got to prove myself. Because that's how life works, right? You've got to prove yourself to get things and uh, to earn rewards and things like that. But again, you can't do it. You cannot be good enough. I mean, you are so unholy. <laughs> right? So Christ took that penalty and paid it. So if we go to God and say, God, I repent and I believe in Your salvation that You provided. And I want it for myself. And I'm not trusting in my own good works. I'm just trusting in You. That's when a person becomes a Christ follower. That's a critical thing, though. Are they trusting in their good works? So again, we would love to introduce you to Jesus. You know, talk to your friends, whoever. Talk to me. Uh, if you have any questions or any way we can encourage you. So, what I'm saying is, to be a Christ follower is very important when you're married because it changes everything. And God supplies you with what you need to do these supernatural things. Choose the right time. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. You get angry. I remember when I was a kid and uh, my dad was driving and my mom was in the passenger seat and 
I got in the back, and they were having an argue about, argument about something. And my mom said, stop the car. Stop the car. I want to get out. And she did. <laughs> and so here we are crawling behind her. <laughs> and my dad, oh, you get back in the car. Get back in the car. You know. <laughs> it's so funny because it's so real in our lives that we do crazy things like that. Now, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. That's a great principle. There was a study done, uh, 50s, 70s, 50s, 60s, 70s, people in that age range, and they said, what is the key to a healthy marriage? And he says, deal with the issues as soon as possible. That's how they've been able to be married so long. Deal with the issues up front. Make your marriage a priority before the sun goes down. And I'd say that's truth for, truth for uh, most things, but sometimes that can be bad timing. For example, if you both have a really bad day at work and you're stressed out, pick the kids up, and they're stressing you out more, and then the dishwasher breaks down, and, and then finally you get into the bedroom at like 10.30. And so you're talking about this appliance, and uh, one of you says, it would be so much easier if you didn't spend so much money. Come on! <laughs> I agree. You know, resolving things before the sun goes down. But if it's not the right timing, you can carry it over. And some issues are very complex. They'll take you a year to work through. Uh, so, again, it's very important to deal with these things. Uh, choose the right attitude. I have counsel and sound wisdom. From God, I have insight, I have strength. God wants to give you all those things. And I know it's so complex. Colossians 3.8, But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. So this is what we're not supposed to do. We don't let, let anger smolder. That's kind of the idea behind the word there. Uh, we don't become wrathful, which is, you know, a passionate moment when you say something you never should say, right? Or malice is just kind of the roots of evil. Malice kind of just wraps everything up. Slander, gossiping about people, uh, misrepresenting their character, speaking evil of them, uh, and obscene talk from your mouths. Now, it's interesting, I was talking with my insurance broker, and I went out to lunch with him, and um, he said, Dan, you would not believe how couples are, are so free in terms of criticizing and saying crazy stuff, and I'm sitting right there at the table, and they're going after each other. Why is that? Well, hopefully they're not Christ followers. Again, we can be so different in this area, but it takes supernatural energy. So if you have any obscenities when you're fighting, obviously obscenity is a sin. Stay away from that. Uh, it's interesting yesterday in our conference, they were talking about shame. 
shame. What is shame? Well, I can feel guilty about how I treated another person, and I can resolve that guilt. But if people have shamed me, if they said, you are not worthy, you are not good enough, you, uh, you're a mess. And maybe you heard that from your parents or heard that from whoever else, maybe abuse and things of that nature. Now, that's all shame. And you've got to deal with that shame. You've got to reconcile it and believe that it's not true about you, that you are a child of God. <laughs> you know, I think you can get that on our website in the sermons. They've got your identity in Christ. That's what you really need to focus on, again, that healthy communication. But here's it, right? Or here it is. You push your spouse's buttons. <laughs> yeah, we all have buttons, don't we? And you know what typically they said? That that involves shame. Okay? You say something to them that taps into this shame about a particular issue. And friends, the argument changes totally. Because you're bringing all that stuff up in that person's life and they become extremely angry. And uh, for some reason we enjoy that. I don't know. You know? We got them. No! No, you've got to help your spouse deal with their shame issues. There's no condemnation in Jesus Christ. And some of you were brought up in abusive homes. And that's why it's even more important that you identify yourself as a child of God. We should be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. I was thinking about a person... Uh, I wasn't having pleasant thoughts about a person. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's hard to forgive, isn't it? I mean, Jesus Christ forgave us. That's our motivation. So you always have to turn that one around. You take a look at the person and what they've done to you. And then you say, oh, wow. Jesus Christ has forgiven me of all my sins. Why should I have these hateful feelings toward a person? Now, again, it's hard. But God can supernaturally work on you as you pray for that person especially. You pray for them and you get them out of that you know, enemy box and say they're just a person who's struggling. And as you go through that you start to forgive. And sometimes forgiveness takes a long time. You just have to keep forgiving over and over. Whenever that issue comes up in your mind, okay, I've given that to God. Let, let God take the revenge. I, I want the revenge. No, take, let God take the revenge, right? Because he is, he is the one who is objective and, of course, is holy. How to have a good fight. Choose the right words. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. There are some ground rules. Never compare. Never compare. That's, you're going to be a loser every time. Lori and I, uh, as our kids uh, grew up, 
I really had tried not to compare. Why can't you be more like this son? Why can't you be more like this son? Talk about shame. You don't want to be doing that with your wife or your children or anybody else. Drop all comparisons. God made us uniquely. And and love that person and forgive that person if they need to be forgiven. Never condemn. That's shaming, right? You always, you never. This is just the way you are and you're not going to change. Never command. Well, I'm going to tell you what to do. Oh, that's really effective, isn't it? (laughs) You think you're so big and tough. You're going to... Oh, man. No, don't do that. Never challenge a person. Never condescend. Uh, I am the wise one from above who's come to give you the wisdom you need. You need to listen. We belittle each other. Not healthy. Not healthy. And not righteous. Never confuse. So you're losing a battle with your spouse, so you decide to bring in the hot buttons, right? Uh, or maybe three other... Ever- there are other issues, and you guys are so infuriated with each other, and you're not sure, sure why. Hit those, uh, hit those shame buttons. Ephesians yeah. 4.31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Remember, malice is a foundation. Bitterness is holding a grudge against someone. You know, I really want to encourage you to take this as a challenge from God. Uh, again, I don't know people and how they relate to each other, but I'm sure there are people here that do use obscenities uh, when they're talking to their spouse. You've got to stop that. Okay? You've got to stop that. Well, it's hard. That's the way I feel and the way I go you got to pray for supernatural power. Another thing that really concerns me is when people threaten divorce. Oh, I was just kidding. What? Are you out of your mind? You never threaten that you're going to divorce someone. And I tell you what, if you say that, you're in a cancerous relationship and you need help right away. It's like if you had a heart attack here like one person did years ago. And we'd call the ambulances. Well, if I had some knowledge of your relationship and for whatever reason heard you argue and you were throwing the divorce word around, I would just would step in and say, hey, you're a lot deeper in than you think. And you need to talk to someone. Your marriage is about to fall apart. And go to a counselor or a pastor. Go to someone who's objective, who can help you rebuild your marriage. You may say, Dan, my marriage cannot be rebuilt. It's such a mess. God specializes in messes. They said, there's no possible way. Well, there is a possible way. I've seen it over and over and over again where they've just been at each other and threatening divorce and things like that. And then God comes into the conversation. 
and the supernatural power that He gives. And you can be reconciled. You can be reconciled. Well, you guys recognize the Tasmanian devil? One of my favorite Looney Tunes, you know, he spins around. <laughs> that he lands. Now, this is a real Tasmanian devil. And it's interesting, down in Australia, uh, they've lost a lot. They've lost a lot of these Tasmanian devils. In fact, like over 10 years, they've lost five, or excuse me, 50%. And what's going on? Well, what happens is, is this is how they communicate with one another. They look like your spouse <laughs> when they're mad. <laughs> And they're brutal on each other, and they're always attacking with the mouth. And so, you know, they're tearing the mouth and things of that nature. Well, what happened was there was a certain cancer that one of them had. And so while they're fighting over food, that cancer was carried to the next one and to the next one. And all of a sudden, you lose 50%. Now, if you're squeamish, this is a graphic picture. Okay, I'll just warn you of that. Okay. This is a Tasmanian devil that has cancer from fighting with his other Tasmanian devils for food. The reason why I show such a graphic picture, because this might be a picture of your marriage. That's certainly near divorce here, right? And you think you do well when you tear each other down and try to control each other. And it's just not the fact. This picture represents how you might be treating your spouse. And you need to repent. You need to get down on your knees and say, how could I ever gotten to this point? And ask God to fill you with a new love for your spouse. And not say caustic things. Don't say caustic things. That's what the Bible says, right? If you're doing it, stop it. Stop it right now, today. What's well, hard to do? Well, you got God's power, don't you? Yeah. Well, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for your word and how it does teach us about conflict. And uh, I just pray that each of us would walk away from this time just kind of uh, thinking about how we might be uh, injuring our spouse in Christ's name.